Hello and welcome to Dropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And today we're talking about The Menu. Yes. Uh, which I was kind of looking forward to. You know, the trailers made this look fun. Um, it's uh, directed by Mark Mylod, who's primarily a TV director. He did direct Ali G in the House 20 mm. years ago, which was not a great film. And he's directed another couple of films that I don't think either of us have even heard of. Mm. Um, he's mostly known for TV, so he, he he's an English um, guy. He works in comedy, like with Reeves and Mortimer in this country. He did Shameless, I think, a couple of episodes. He took Shameless to the States, I think. He did Succession, which was big. He did a lot of Entourage. Mm. So he's got a name as one of these directors who you know, has done some big bits of TV and, and is, is a professional working director. Mm. Um, he's not known for his cinema work. Um, and I guess one of the questions for me is, you know, how does he race as a cinema director? But let's get on to that. Um, not very highly. <laughs> I, I I don't think so either. But um, the film is about a very exclusive high end restaurant. It's on an island. You go there, you don't have mobile reception. Everything's taken care of. It's twelve hundred and fifty dollars a head. Mm. Um, you know, it's the most exclusive thing. Each course is introduced to you personally by the chef. He explains it, um, and the courses are of <laughs> interesting sort of creative. Let's say, um, and this particular evening. Is I don't know how much to say because I don't know how much of it was in the trailer really, but I definitely got the feel from the trailer that it was going to be like a most dangerous game thing, you know, mm. which it isn't quite. But there is definitely a huge amount of threat. Spoilers ahead. Yeah, spoilers ahead. Yeah, we're going to talk about the film freely. Yeah, so this is a film in which uh, the guests are on the menu, as it were. <laughs> yes. Um, and... I suppose I would start by saying I don't think there was an awful lot in the film that surprised me in terms of what happened. I did kind of see every major plot point coming in some way. But what I didn't see was little surprises along the way in terms of like how it was done. Mm. Or, you know, kind of there was always a sense of humour to it. Yes, I thought it was very witty. Yeah. Um, and I thought, uh, and I, I loved the actors in it, actually. Uh, I, I, I really just... Um was not impressed by the mise-en-scene of it, really. Mm. So I suppose, you know, part of the the director's job is, you know, fine-tuning that screenplay or adapting it to his needs and certainly kind of, you know, uh, helping these actors get those performances. So he deserves credit there. But I thought there were... I I hated the look of the film. Mm. I thought it was too grey. Yeah. I mean, I think this is a comedy. It's a black comedy, you know, but I think it requires a different intensity of colour rather than this muddy great look it has throughout um yeah it kind of comes from the the aesthetic of the restaurant in which it's set which is has this kind of ultra modern colorless aesthetic but it doesn't have to right it could yeah. do something else exactly you know and it is a comedy yeah it's a black comedy but it's a comedy yeah. so i think you know they're not helping themselves by lighting it in this way um so i mean i did like you know, some of the production design, yeah, mm. like at the end when they do the pudding, uh, yeah, and they yeah. see it from overhead. I thought that looked fantastic. So it's got, you know, brilliant ideas. And it, I think it is very witty. Uh, and, you know, it's certainly like a social critique and it operates kind of, I think, quite well as that, mm. you know. Uh, it's a contemporary satire of, you know, foodies in 
you know, a world of environmental and social collapse, right? Mm. So, you know, those things kind of come off, but it didn't quite convince me. I am... Um, I, I expected it to be quite dumb. Again, this is not for, just from the trailer and from my impression of what I thought mm. it would be. I expected it to be quite dumb, and I don't think it is, but I don't think it's very smart either. And what you say about the kind of social critique and the, the idea of the elites who are the patrons of this restaurant who are being uh, victimised by the chef who's kind of having his revenge on all these sorts of people is as banal as that gets, mm. right? It's not that, it's like, it's there, but it's not that smart. Mm. And... And I think it's it's helpful that the film doesn't kind of lay it on too thick. It's just it's part of what the setup is really. Mm. You get it, and it doesn't lay it on. Actually, what it what it's really doing is making it a personal story about this chef in particular. So it's not just that he's got a bunch of hoity-toity upper class elite such and so. It's that he has something personal about each one of them to, yeah. to some degree. I mean, the like the bankers who work for the angel investor who who mm. who supports the place. Like, why them in particular? It's not, you know, you think... They, why, well, why them in particular is the question. You know? I thought it was because they were robbing. Right, but he's also killing the angel investor, which we see. So, like, so what, why... If he's exacting revenge on this guy and these guys are robbing from the guy he's killing, why is he interested in them? Hmm. You see what I mean? Yeah. Um, it, it's kind of... I Maybe don't I missed something. One or two things like that aren't that clear, but... Um, what you say about the, the way that that final course is presented, where they turn the whole restaurant into a fancily done-up plate with sauce going around the floor, mm. is great. And it's really funny. It's quite beautiful. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about where it's like, I did see this was coming, especially because they said everyone's going to die. And sure. The question is how. And, you know, um, you start to get the feeling that it's going to be... Well, it's, the film is going on for so long and so many people haven't died, they're going to have to do it quite quickly. Mm. <laughs> um but the question of you know making them into a big marshmallow fire to to making them all into schmores is the creative you know twist on it that I didn't see coming. The thing about um, the the uh, tortillas, mm. so they do a thing with tacos, and the tortillas everyone gets have been laser printed with, with photos sins. of them. Yeah, exactly with their sins, with their mm-hmm. secrets. So you've got the guy who cheated on his wife with with the escort. You've got the bank guys who you see the money they've been embezzling. And you also see the photos of the Nicholas Holt character who's been taking photos of the mm. food, which he was told not to do. So they've very recently printed these tacos. <laughs> um, and again, it's like you kind of knew that something along these lines had to come. You had to, you knew that there would be explanations for why these people are here. Mm. But that they've printed it on tortillas is a beautiful idea that you had no clue like they would do something like that. And it's a wonderful surprise. It's a great joke. Yes. Yeah. I think the film missed an opportunity on pace. Right, so, you know, there are a lot of elements in the film. Yeah, uh, the announcing of the menu, the way that the whole kitchen staff is so concentrated and returns back to work. And, Mm. you know, um, the Chinese lady, yeah, and how her kind of harshness in interacting with the customers, right? Mm. You know, Lubitsch would have made that, <laughs> you know, a, a kind of a centerpiece. You would have had 25 laughs out of that just from the rhythms of the call and response, mm. right? And this is all wasted. So, you know, you, you know that they all respond like machines, get to work, they all get to work. Mm. Yes, sir, yes, chef, you know. But nothing is made out of those rhythms. Yeah, A better director would have made that into comedy. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't... It, it gets some effects from the way it's timed and edited. The thing about... Um, the chef that Ray Fiennes plays him, 
um, starting each course with a clap. Yes. And everyone is stunned and shocked and all the cooks put their cutlery down. Everything goes quiet. Um, you know, it, it is used to fairly good effect to kind of, to show you the shock, basically, of, mm. of particularly the Anya Taylor-Joy character who is getting increasingly uncomfortable with being there. Mm. Um, but, as you said, you also feel a lot of these missed opportunities where it could... I, I just kept feeling like this could be more intense or it could be more tense. It could or be it funnier. Could be, it could be funnier. It could be all these things... It could be more elegant. And it's not... Yeah. But that's not to say that it's a flat film. It's not. It does do, I think, most of what it's... It gets the effects, I think, for the most part, it's going for. It would be nice to see it going for more, in a way. I mean, it works. I, I enjoyed it. Um... Though, you know, I kind of just can't help thinking of things that would have been better. I would have preferred somebody other than Ray Fiennes as the chef. You, you think know? he's too obvious a choice? Also, I think he's he's too... He's an actor who almost never warms up on screen. Yeah, I've seen him on stage and he's just brilliant, right? And, you know, I don't know if, if it's because I was introduced to him on Schindler's List. Actually... <laughs> Every performance I've seen him in, including the romantic comedies, they're always something kind of cool and distant. Yeah, mm. so he's really skilled. You know exactly what he's thinking. Yeah, but he never brings the audience to him. You know, he's not like a Brad Pitt or a Leonardo DiCaprio when they smile, you're with them in a way. Yeah, like is that not fitting for this character? No, because you want to see what's driving him crazy, what drove him to this. There has mm. to be something human. Right, uh, about it. And the story tells you, but I don't think you feel it from him. I know what you mean. Um, it did work for me when Anya Taylor Joyce worked out this thing about the cheeseburger. She's seen his kind of deepest, darkest secret in his house, which is that he was happiest when he was working at a burger place in mm. 1987, getting employee of the month. You know, he hasn't had that joy in his life since. And she figures out how to turn this into a, a potential escape. You know, your food's joyless. Make me a cheeseburger, and and as he does it, he you know life comes back to him. A smile comes back to him. Mm. I bought it, right? But I do know what you mean. That's why I said, is he too obvious a choice? Because he does communicate that. But actually, the character is kind of asking for something more than that. There's something too cool, too calculated, too distant about him as an actor. Mm. Actually, on screen. He's, I think he is like that in almost all of the performances, except the Guadagino one, the bigger splash, where he really lets loose. Right. Yeah, I loved him in that. Um, but, you know, you can tell the difference between him and actually Nicholas Holt or Anna Taylor-Joy. Yeah, like, mm. they have a warmth about them, you know. Even when Anna Taylor-Joy is being, like, very calculating, you can tell she's a tough cookie and she's not putting up with any shit. Mm. You know, there are moments where you just kind of... She either smiles or, you know, she conveys something. You you are with her in a way, yeah? Mm. And Nicholas Holt, I thought, was just, like, so charismatic and charming. I thought, you know, stop doing this shit and just do a lovely romantic comedy. <laughs> He'd be so great, right? He's such a leading man. He's so gorgeous and, and good, yeah, and warm, you know? So I think, to me, they were an interesting contrast to Ray Fiennes, really, who I do find, he's very expert, mm. yeah? He's got great technique, yeah, but it's almost like he's overthought, and it's just there's something, you know, you never get, you never get to know him 
Yeah, so mm. what you find out about his character is what he gives you, but actually it's like, you know, it's always the character. It's never like, you never get the feeling that you know all these things about Ray Fiennes or you, yeah, mm. or he brings all these qualities that then you discover through the performance. It's, he just gives you what the performance requires, and he's very expert at it, but it feels mechanical and distant to me. And that's kind of why I think I don't really buy the fundamental concept of the film, what, what, what is revealed to be going on, which is that he hates all these people for being what is wrong with the culinary experience today, with food mm. today. Um, because I think part of it is in the writing and is in those, is in, part of it is in the fact that I don't know why some of these specific characters are here. It's quite a funny joke when um, it's revealed that the, the reason he's got the John Leguizamo character there, uh, John Leguizamo is playing a very famous actor, is that the one day off in six years that he got to go and see a film, he saw this John Leguizamo film, or John Leguizamo's character's film, and thought it was shit. And it was, and that's a funny joke at first, but then actually it turns into you're a guy who's, you're an artist who's lost a sense of art, who's lost the reason that he's doing it, that sort of thing. He says, and it's like, why, why make it that serious? It was actually better when it was just a funny joke about I had a day off and I didn't like your film. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But it does try to make it into this into this deeper thing about the, the malaise that is plaguing uh, the, the loss of art and so on. The old couple who, they're there you know, every six months or something. Yes. And they don't remember the food. You're like, is that really enough? Enough to kill someone for it? <laughs> yeah. I, know that I'm, I know that you do have to give yourself over to this kind of film because it's not realistic. But still, do you actually feel like there's enough in these characters to really buy it? No. I'm not really sure I do. The thing about the critic is very obvious and kind of dumb that she has the power to, you know she the, the, her her tortillas are printed with images of uh, restaurants that she have closed. shut down on the basis of her bad reviews you go that's 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 as simple as that gets like putting a critic in your film is as simple as the use of that character gets still i think it's important that they have it i think you know it was important that it be like that i, yeah. I think it was good to bring out some of the phoniness of that whole thing to me the film was simplistic because it's it's a lowbrow film in the sense that it's kind of catering to an audience that doesn't understand why people would pay those prices, right? And actually doesn't understand that fundamentally there are pleasures to be had in going to mm. eat that kind of haute cuisine, right? I mean, we've experienced it, you know? Mm. And I've personally always found that it's worth it. It's worth that exorbitant amount of money, right? Like, you know, you, you can't do it every day, but actually I, I enjoy the theater and the experience and the food, mm. right? This makes it seem that somehow, you know, that it's all bullshit, really, and everybody's just collaborating on that bullshit and it's all about having status, you know, and demonstrating status and power rather than having anything to do with the food. Of course, it could easily be both things or it could be one thing for one person, but at least recognize that for other people, there's the other thing. You know. It's interesting the Nick Holt character in that respect because he is the real foodie out of everyone we see in this restaurant. You've got guys who are there for status, like the bank guys, mm. the John Leguizamo character, probably a bit of that as well. You've got the guys who, you know, the old couple who are there every six months and they've forgotten what the joy is, but mm. they just have money and they're there. Um, you have the restaurant critic who has her own thing. So he's the only one who is there because he is banging into the food. He loves it. Mm. But at the start, I think you're really seeing him as, and I think you're meant to see him as someone who you know is in love with 
Um, in love with the idea of it, the idea of following around this chef. I've seen all his shows and all that kind of stuff. And as he, you know, they get this uh, amuse bouche on the boat over to the island, and he's savoring it. Oh, it's the best thing I've ever tasted. And you're meant to, you're, like, you're thinking, I'm taking the piss out of this guy. Mm. The more you see of him, and and you know, it's quite a funny thing the way that no matter what's going on in the restaurant, and you know, a suicide happens at one point, he's just about the food. He's not even noticing mm. that a guy just got his finger cut off. One of the guests mm. was attacked by the staff and got his finger cut off. He's all about he's just eating the food. And the more that happens, the more I'm thinking, I actually really buy it now. Mm. Like I'm I, I think this guy really is into the food. He's there for all the right reasons, actually. Yes. You know? I it's interesting that and all that all they've done is just keep him doing the same thing just go on about the food but he starts to convince me hmm. you know yeah I mean I didn't understand why they killed him just because you know he, he isn't a good cook well he punishes him for for being I guess what you what you think he is at the start which is the guy who's just about you know the, the following the famous chef around wanting to be in the famous chef's you know kind of kind of wake in some way and think about oh I know what that machine is in the kitchen I you know I have one or whatever and he's punishing him for that but by the time he's got to punishing him for it, I don't think that's who he is anymore. Mm. Like, the film's punished him too late for being that guy. Well, <laughs> I think the, the film is, by that point, is punishing him for something else, which is to bring an innocent person in. Yeah, knowing, true. Knowing that she's going to be killed, right? That's true. So there is that moral dimension. Um, but, you know, then I didn't understand why the film needed to humiliate him as a bad cook. You know, because actually I didn't get the sense at the beginning that that was his profession or whatever. I mean, he just looked like someone who's a real foodie, who's really into the food and, you know, tries things at home maybe. But, yeah. you know. I do think that's unreasonable of the chef character, basically. I think you're absolutely right to say by that point it has also become about you brought someone who wasn't on the guest list mm. and you knew that everyone was to die. You're right about that. But then the fact that the punishment still takes place as this humiliation of the fact that he's not a good cook... So why are you interested? Mm. That's that is illogical by that point. Yeah, I mean, I think that the film doesn't give you grounds for condoning all the murders. No, you know, and I think that's kind of where it fails as a kind of a, you know a satire, really. Um, I mean, I remember in the seventies. I don't remember it very well because, you know, it is like forty or fifty years ago. But I remember seeing. Who Killed the Great Chefs of Europe. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a film called Who Killed the Great Chefs of Europe, which was okay. a big hit. Actually, it was with Robert Morley and Jacqueline Bisset. Okay. You know, and it was partly a satire of, like, food and restaurants and stuff like that. And I remember it being, like, super funny, right? Mm. Um, and you didn't have to know very much about food to find it super funny. I mean, certainly at that age, I wouldn't have. Uh, and I think this kind of failed for me in, in that respect, really. If you call it a satire, what do you think it's a satire of? Well, I think it's a satire of foodism, you know, of like, you know, this worship of the figure of the chef, first of all, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and, and the fancy kind of menu descriptions and so on. He's made a meal all about memory and he goes back to his first It's all taco. about storytelling yeah. and, you know, all that stuff. And then the food itself which is like molecular fusion and, you know, there's a criticism, this is not real food, I'm hungry. Yeah, they give them, for the second or third course, they give them all of the things that go on bread, but no bread. So just giving them accompaniments. Yes. Yeah. So, so, you know, that kind of conceptual stuff, it's a a satire of all of Mm -hmm. that, really. Um, And I think it does make its points, and I did find it quite entertaining. I mean, I did laugh quite a few times. But I think, you know, you leave feeling a bit flat. Well, the reason I asked, you know, if it's satire, what's it satire? Because I, I agree, I think it is 
doing that with with the foodiness. Um, but the the deaths. Um, so the one death is the suicide of the sous chef, which I think fits into that because he's <laughs> he's committing suicide as a meal. Yes. You know, so so it, it's the fact that he. I mean, what is it really? He he's good, but he's not great, and the life that yeah he would ideally seek to have of the great chef is also not one that he would want and his life's a mess sort of thing. I mean I wasn't that totally clear on it but that's along those lines. I didn't I didn't like that because you know the implication is so what if you're not you know uh, the best chef in the world he's obviously a very good cook and why does being very good instead of great have to result in suicide? I mean you know if, if all of us who you know weren't the best at something had to kill ourselves, the, the world would be left with nobody, would be left with five or six people. You, you know, not <laughs> everybody can be the best. So actually the logic of that just didn't work with me. I, didn't I find, agree with that. I didn't find it funny. But it did go in, it, it does at least kind of match to some degree um, the idea of it, it's a foodiness thing, like like the the way that he's made his suicide into a poncy meal at a restaurant. Yeah. Um, the other deaths, um, or murders, you know, so the murder of the angel investor... And I guess cutting off the finger of the one guest who can, tries to leave. Can we just linger a little bit on that? Because I thought the murder of the angel investor was such a lost visual opportunity, mm. right? Imagine what a better director would have done with that death scene or that killing scene. I've seen the, things like that. Like, I, I think, like, maybe I can't bring them to mind immediately, but like, I've definitely seen that image of yeah. someone being hung up and tortured for an audience sort of thing. And yeah, with the know. wings and the water and... You know, you could have turned that into such a great scene. It's and all actually, shot from afar. It's all shot from inside the restaurant. I know. Yeah. Can, Let's get one look at the guy's face. I know. <laughs> it's a, a completely wasted opportunity. Um, but basically, what, I, what I'm sort of trying to get to is the idea that you're saying that the, 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 the it's not possible to kind of reconcile the murders, or what, what did you say, to, to justify the murders? And that's where it fails as a satire. I'm not sure I see how that quite adds up. I think it's true that you don't quite see how you can justify these murders. But why does that make it fail as a satire of what I think it is trying well, to satire? Well, because it it leaves you against the film. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you have to be with it. And this is making you think, well, why do all these poor people have to die? I mm. mean, you know, I, uh, you brought up some of the characters. For example... You know, one of the the old guys is having an affair. You know, but is that a reason to kill somebody? And then what? What did the wife do? Yeah, I didn't understand why she had to die. Right, like. But I guess what the victims of 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 the, well, the victims of murders should I I guess in theory be the victims of the satire, the people who are being satirized or criticized, and and I think I think we would be in agreement that that they are not really being satirised, the, the guests. Yeah. Well, I, I think there's an attempt to, to do it, but I just think it doesn't work. Right. And partly it doesn't work because, I mean, I think Ray Fine says something, you've come to my restaurant 11 times, you know, can you remember what you ate last time? Yeah. And they says something like, God, no, it was halibut. Well, who the fuck cares? I mean, I can't remember what I ate yesterday. Is that you I know guess, a reason yeah, to like, kill me? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's, they're so, not there for no reason, but 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 the reason is not the good. Is trying to take the piss out of them a bit, but it's mostly not succeeding at it. I mean, had they been praising the cod that they ate last time to the skies and being <laughs> all ponds and whatever, then yeah. you know you might have had a joke there, and you know you might have pushed the satire, but. They don't even do it on that level. Mm. Um, 
So, so I take it back. I don't think it's a good script, actually, because I thought the script was quite good. <laughs> it's witty, and it has its moments, but I actually I think it's quite sketchy. And I mean that in terms of it's like a sketch show, in a way. Or, or maybe vignette would be a better thing. Like, everyone's there in this setup, but it's almost like everyone just gets their moment, or everyone mm. gets their piece, and, and some of it doesn't really add up. So, you know, the, the thing about the, the, the couple who the husband has cheated on the wife, that that becomes a really minor point. But it's it's introduced in the tortilla scene as like the the sin, as you mm. put it, right? The key sin, the reason that they're there somehow. It's like it's not the reason that they're there. Right? It's it's like the the tortilla scene I guess is is like shit stirring and drama stirring by mm. the chef somehow. But the, what he's put on his tortilla, which is this image of him cheating on his wife, is not the reason that the chef wants him there. Exactly. You know. Uh, and, you know, yeah. and it's a moral thing rather than a, fo- a foodie thing, right? <laughs> so I think it's a kind of, you know, the film is often quite confused about those things. So, you know, it might not be um, a very, he might not be a very nice person, you know, but if this is satire on foodiness, then what sin against gastronomy has he committed, <laughs> right? Or... Yeah, like I, I, I didn't. Um, I wasn't clear on on that. I, um, I definitely think of it as less of a satire than I think you do. Um, I, I think you, there, you're right that there are there are elements of satire, and it, but I, but I do think that. So, what do you think of it as? Well, I, I, I think of it more generally as a kind of high concept black comedy. I guess, like I, I would, I would describe it as satirical to some degree, but it's not the driving focus. I don't think. I think the driving focus is these, um, as, as I put it, kind of kind of vignette things. Like, the idea of this scene is this, the idea of this scene is this, and there's something, although there is obviously a through line to everything, well, I think something the more, is quite separate about a lot of it. Well, I think the more we talk, you know, I'm more convinced that this is the film's failure, because, you know, if it's a black comedy, then, you know, the object of its comedy is that it's satirising that, you know, foodiness and so on. Right uh, and taking it to an extreme, right. So, so if those things don't come through, then it's kind of part of the film's problems. Yeah, it might be the case. Um, because I don't think it should be as divorced as you're making it seem. And actually, the vignettiness of it is also to me part of the problem because, and I don't quite know how to put this. And maybe I'm just saying this because we saw all his television credits, mm. you know. But I think that there was an over reliance on the dialogue yeah, to convey information about the characters. There's not that many characters. I mean, we're basically talking about, what, three or four little groups in the restaurant? Uh, probably five, I think. Uh, the rich couple, the critic, uh, Nick Holt, and... John Leguizamo and the bankers. That's five. Okay, five. Yeah. Uh, you should have had deeper... Yeah. interrelationships amongst all of them. Mm. It should have been more cohesive. The objects of the satire, the relationship to the food, the reason for being there, all of that should have been a yeah. lot clearer, right? Um, so I think this is what you mean by sketched in, but I also kind of see it as something that I associate with episodic television. Yeah, because in, in episodic uh, television... You you always have the next chapter. You can you can always fill in, yeah. Mm. Maybe episodic television is the wrong word. Yeah, it's like a series. Te- 
when the story continues throughout the whole season, mm-hmm. right, you can always deepen and so on, right? But actually, kind of in film, you can't. Yeah, you have like ninety minutes, two hours, and so things have to be condensed and they have to symbolize, and you need nuance and yeah. yeah. And I think the film lacks all of that. Um, what I mean by by sketch is more the idea that the way that things kind of come up and are dropped quite quickly. So, so the tortilla thing, for instance, like is is right there. It makes all the sense in the world, and then it's dropped, and a lot of it doesn't really come back. Um, probably the best example is where they take the guests outside and they say the men have got 45 seconds to run. This is because this was in the trailer and this was where I thought, oh, right, it's the most dangerous game, right? They're going to hunt them down sort of thing. Mm. And also what happens then is that they do hunt them down, but it's a very short thing. What happens is they get them all back and the last one to be um, discovered is given a prize of uh, a dish. It's the last one to be I mean, and that then, is and such then, an ill-conceived And scene. then they come back to the restaurant and it's like it never happened. You know, so that's what I mean. Like, it's mm. like a sketch show. Like, this sketch is this, and now we move on to this, and forget it ever happened. Nothing. Mm. You know, that's kind of what I mean. It's like, and it was fun while it was happening, and the joke at the end of it was lovely, but then it was gone. Yeah. You know. And I also think that was a missed opportunity. I wanted like some chases or some drama, some surprise, some action. Right. Mm. I mean, you could have used that to go in that direction for five minutes or something, right, before returning to the restaurant. No. Mm. It's like, uh, you know, absolutely lack of imagination, very flat. Um, So. Despite that, right, because we are basically criticising this film from head to toe, I was engaged pretty much the whole way through. There there, there was maybe one point where I thought, okay, it's going on a little bit, where I think um, uh, the chef character was saying something about his past or something and and it was it was just losing me for a minute but mostly i was interested i wanted to see what would happen next i wanted to know what the next dish would be the film's presented as a series of dishes and it gives you these fun you know the um, the name of the dish and the ingredients the mm. ingredients are sometimes very unusual yes um, sorrow and despair yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so you know you do want to know how it goes and, and i was engaged the whole way through it was never interesting enough visually, which is a huge problem because it really has the opportunity. Like we, we're going to see, I hope we're going to see Knives Out, the mm. new one. Not for sure. And you know the way that Ryan Johnson will film that, the way he filmed the last one, he's always he does find interesting things to 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 see in a room full of just people talking. Yes. He would have done something very interesting with this, or very heightened. Yes. You know, like you, that's what this film kind of needed. It needed some intensity somehow. It just needed. He needed to, in a way. I don't think it takes itself seriously, but it needed to somehow take itself even less seriously. Like, it's still trying to do, the anti- as you said at the start, it's just grey, it has this ultra-modern aesthetic that it's just buying itself into and not doing anything very interesting with it. It needed to have more freedom with mm. all of that. Yeah, so, I mean, my view, basically, in a nugget, is I had a pretty good time watching it, but actually, as soon as you begin to think about it, all you see is faults, really. Yeah. So, like... You know, five chuckles in, in search of a film or something like that, right? <laughs> yeah. Kitchen nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, thank you very much for listening. We are eavesdropping at the movies, and we are on. Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. On social media, we're on Facebook and Twitter, and the website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>